Hello, and welcome to A Year with Jesus. I'm Philip. And I'm Bill. And this week, we're in Matthew chapter 20 and chapter 21. Bill, as we enter this section, Matthew has a lot more parables for us to consider, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, the end of chapter 20 will essentially conclude the three-year ministry that he's had, because into 21, we'll get into the last week of his life. And, and this is just so much he has to say to the disciples here before that last week. So we ended our podcast last week thinking about the rewards that Jesus had promised to those that would follow him. And now Jesus starts teaching us about the basis for those rewards. That's right. I mean, in chapter 19, verse 30, he says, many who are first will be last and the last first. And then in chapter 20, verse 16, he says, so the last shall be first and the first last. He's repeating himself, which I think then begs us to, to ask ourselves, okay, what is it in the middle that he's saying that bookends with these two big ideas? Yes, yeah, so this story is told of different workers who are called all throughout the day and are looking forward to getting paid at the end for all of their labor. And suddenly they realize that maybe labor isn't the basis of their payment, is it? Yeah, you just imagine, you know, you come in, you 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 set up a certain price that you're going to work for, you get to the end of the day, and you find out that this guy who came at, the, at noon, he's getting paid exactly what you're getting paid for, for all that work that you did. And you can just imagine the workers are upset. The laborer would say, well, hang on a second. You agreed to this. This is, I mean, before you didn't have work. I right. gave you work. This is now your payment. Why are you getting upset about potentially getting the same the same amount as someone who came later on in the day? But, but I wonder if all of this really has to do with Peter asking that question at the end of chapter 19, that we left everything and followed you. What will, then, what the, what will there be there for us? Almost this bargaining chip with Jesus. And Jesus is like, grace is what you're getting. You know, forgiveness, mercy, my goodness is what you're getting. And, and if I decide to give someone who comes a little bit later on the same reward, that's my business. Right. It's not on the basis of what you have sacrificed. It's on the basis of our goodness, myself, the Father, the Spirit, what God is doing as the owner of all things. And let me just say, I wonder for us, like we, there's a lesson for us in that as well, that like whenever people come to the Lord, it does not matter. If someone comes to the Lord at 60 years old, it doesn't matter if they come to the Lord at 80 years old and you've given yourself to the Lord since you've been a kid or your whole life you've spent trying to serve God. That's phenomenal. At the end of the day, in the Father's grace and the Father's goodness, there's the same reward for everyone. And thank God for that because it gives hope to people who, who maybe aren't in God yet but want to be grafted in. Very good. So as Jesus points them back towards the very character and nature of God, he lets us know this is not a cheap grace either. This is not just Christ deciding to ignore or overlook our sins. This is God paying for our sins. That's right. So he repeats for the third time the fact that he is going to die, that he's going to get up. And he says, we are going up to Jerusalem, which in chapter 21, they go up to Jerusalem. He's been like coming towards this idea, he says, and I will be betrayed. I will be put to death. They will condemn me. But then on the third day, I will be raised up again. And so he he gives this third statement. And then you have the, you know, the, the mother of James and John. And she just comes and, and it's just, you know, parents can sometimes be like this. It's like, well, I want to make sure my kid has the best seat in the house. Right, you know? right. And so she comes and she says, I want to make a request, you know, and, and don't deny the request that I ask. And then she says, command that in your kingdom, these two sons of mine may sit at your right and left-hand side. I wonder, by the way, what the other apostles thought when they saw the, the, right. James and John's mom, you know, standing up for them. Uh, but what, what stands out to you about what Jesus says in his response to them? As they speak up and say, we are able to endure the suffering that you're enduring, they don't really understand what they are replying to Christ. And so he explains to them that they are going to suffer, 
but this is going to be not for the person that was jockeying for position. This is going to be for the humble, right? Mm -hmm. And he gives this instruction in chapter 20, verse 25 through 28, where he sets himself up again as the servant. Verse 28 says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The sons of Zebedee here, they have to get through their heads that we are here as servants. And when we live in a culture today that is so consumed with positions of power, with places of influence. We've got to understand that Christian leadership is different. That's right. And I wonder, again, as, as it goes into the next story, which, by the way, in some ways, Jesus does concede what they want in that, you know, some people, they, they, they think, you know, James ends up being the first apostle to die, John the last, and so they end up being the first and last amongst the apostles and how they die is, is what, what a lot of people think. Um, but but immediately afterwards, they're leaving Jericho. This large crowd is following them. They're about to enter into Jerusalem, like he says. Jesus is about to be crowned king in a very different way. But he's gonna, you know, they're gonna, he's gonna be shown as king. But what they see is two blind men who are crying out, "Lord, don't give us authority. Don't give us power. Lord, have mercy on us." And I wonder if these two blind men are actually being what the apostles were supposed to be. Like they, the, the apostles failed to see that they themselves were the blind men right. who needed mercy. So they're asking for, you know, command that we have this authority. They're saying they're upset that other people might be getting the same reward as them. And these two blind men show them, you, you are blind men on the side of the road needing the mercy of Lord Jesus, the son of David. And it's so good for us because we can be blind as well. We can be consumed with titles and positions, and we have to stop and remember, none of us are going to heaven outside of the mercy found in Jesus Christ. And that calling out for his mercy mm -hmm. and giving him the praise that he deserves is the most important thing that we can do in our life. And if he grants us that mercy, nothing else matters. That's right. Nothing else really matters. And so we, we start to see how he's going to grant us this mercy because entering into chapter 21, again, we have the very last week of his life. And so we're going to see how, how, how is it that he grants this mercy. So some people call this a triumphal entry, but I really think that chapter 21 should be thought of as a royal entry. The prophecies that are being mentioned here by Matthew to confirm the identity of Christ are royal prophecies. Mm -hmm. This is speaking about Jesus, yes, as the merciful, but also as the ruler, the one with authority, the one who is the king. And he shows his authority, not just by fulfilling these prophecies as he enters the city of Jerusalem, but he shows his authority by entering the temple, doesn't he? Yeah, and does what the king was supposed to be doing in the Old Testament, where he comes in, he sees the temple, he sees what they've done in the temple, and he empties it out. I mean, he overturns the tables, the money changers, and he says, my he says, my house shall be called the house of prayer. You're making it into a robber's den. And so, you know, and, and then people come into the temple and he's healing them and he's taking care of them. It's wonderful. And it's a picture today of really what the church should be. I know the church is not the Old Testament temple, but there is this concept that when we come in to a place of worship with people to worship God, why am I there? Mm -hmm. Am I there to network? Am I there to build myself up? Or am I there to show mercy? Am I there to be devoted to God in prayer? Am I there thinking the way Jesus has, showing mercy, being humble, and acknowledging who the real king is? That's right. Again, as he's coming into Jerusalem over here, there's all this praise, all this adulation he's getting from the people. And then he finally gets to Jerusalem. 
And it's almost like that ends, you know, the place where the people should have been most excited about him. It's just, it doesn't happen there. And the scribes, and they're like, hey, aren't you here? They become indignant of Jesus in the same way that the apostles were indignant of the little children and that they were indignant of James and John. They're indignant of Jesus. And don't you hear what they're saying? Tell them to stop. Yes, they have lost sight so quickly of the grand nature of Jesus' miracles and teaching, and they're only thinking about their own popularity, right? And even in verse 16, they say, do you, not, do you hear what these children, these are immature people who don't know any better, you know, but remember what Jesus has already said about the kinds of people that are fit for the kingdom, the kinds of people that are going to come to the kingdom, is these humble people, like you're saying. Yeah, these children. So he leaves the city that night, and an amazing thing happens as he's traveling back and forth between Bethany. The next morning, they see this fig tree, and there was no fruit on it, just the leaves, and so he curses that tree. He says, there's not going to be any more fruit from this. And we need to understand that at this time, the tree represents the nation of Israel, Mm -hmm. that the nation of Israel has not produced the fruit that over thousands of years they should have produced with every advantage from Moses to every incredible king and prophet. They have not produced the fruit of mercy, of honor, of respect, of humility, and so Just as this tree is brought to an end, the people are going to be brought to an end as a nation. That's right. And so he he enters into the temple a second time. And again, the chief priests and the elders, they came to him while he's teaching. And they're like, what authority do you have to do the things that you're doing? Which, by the way, we know earlier to do the things that he's doing is he's healing people and he's cleansing the temple. And I I love it because he kind of flips the question back on them. And he says, okay, I'll, I'll answer you. If you answer me, the baptism of John was from what source, from heaven or from men? And they begin reasoning because, again, for them, they don't care about the truth. They care about whatever the answer can be that's most convenient for them. That's what they're looking for. Right. And we've got to be careful about that ourselves, that as we come to Jesus, as we come to the Word of God, are we looking for answers that help fit our narrative, that help fit what we want, or are we looking for the truth regardless of whatever consequences that brings? Yes, and so Jesus sets something in front of them that should immediately grab their hearts, and yet they're so in the habit of justifying Mm -hmm. their own preferences that they miss what he's trying to give them. And we need to make sure we don't get in that same habit. You know, Bill, as I look at the way chapter 21 is ending, it makes me think again about the Sermon on the Mount and the way Matthew chapter 7, it's a decisive chapter, Mm -hmm. isn't it? And so we see the decisions that are made. Is he the king or is he not the king? In verse 28 to 32, we get this decision again. What kind of son are you going to be? The kind that says you want to follow but never follows through? Or the one who is selfish but then later realizes the fault and the error of their own selfishness and seeks to go do the will of the Father. That's right. And he says, look, you have the, those are the people that have come. Those are the people who have believed in God. And so he gives them another parable. To, I think all of this is about helping the scribes, helping the Pharisees see what they're doing, helping them see that they are that barren fig tree. He says, look, there was a landowner, and he, had a, he planted a vineyard, and he put a wall around it, and he dug this wine press around it. And this was his vineyard. He owned it. But you know what? He gave... He sent his slaves to go and receive some fruits. And every time he'd go, the people who were taking care of the vineyard, they'd just kill the slave. They'd kill the slave. So he says, eventually, okay, I'm going to send my son. Right. And they killed the son. And I think they they know. They hear these parables. And at the end of the chapter, they know that he is talking about them. 
they get it. You know, they're not they're not you know they're not blind to all of this. They, they figured out what he means. Yeah, that that he is the son. That the vineyard belongs to the father. That Jesus, God has sent prophet after prophet after prophet, like you mentioned, and for for centuries they've just rejected God. They rejected God's teaching, and so now God is going to come and He's going to dash them, and He will set up His kingdom on his son, and that those everyone who wants to come to this kingdom and serve him will be able to be a part of it. And that's such a good reminder for us to think about the extent to which God has done to make this message, a message from heaven to our heart, available. Mm-hmm. He's given us these great prophets. He's given us the scriptures. But we see them lived out in Jesus Christ who gave his life for us. Bill, as you think about chapter 20 and 21, what is it about Jesus that really stands out? He's just a different kind of king. I mean, I, th- I think that's that's so much all of this is just, like you said, with the royal entry here, he's coming in and he's not coming in on this horse with this sword and this, it's palm trees. It's people are grabbing whatever they can to pave the road for him, that the, he's going to be the king of, I mean, honestly, the prostitutes and the tax collectors. That's the people he's king over. He is the king of mercy. That's right. Right. He's providing mercy. It's not going to be based on merit. It's not going to be based on what we've earned. It's going to be based on his blood. Yeah. And so we do get this amazing king. So I think that makes us think about the mercy that we show mm-hmm. as we interact with our family, as we interact with our friends, people in the neighborhood. Are we someone that is a light of that kind of grace, that kind of mercy in submission to his authority? That's right. And, and you know, you have two situations where Jesus asks people, even with that, you have to ask, what do you wish? So he asks the mother of James and John, what do you wish? He asks the blind men, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind men just want mercy. You know, James and John want and more. You know, right. they want mercy and more. And I think we need to be content with God's mercy and God's grace. And anything more he decides to give us is His. That's up to him. And we need to be thankful with what the Lord has offered us, which is more than we deserve. And so when we come into a time or a period of worship with the people of God, we have every reason to praise him. Absolutely. And, and every reason to make sure that that place of praise, that place of worship is that, that we're not making it, like you were saying earlier, into anything else. And, and shame on us. If we allow either ourselves or other people to turn God's house, and not that the building itself, but our time together as 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 a body when right. we worship, that for us to turn God's house into anything but God's house. Wonderful. Well, thank you this week for joining us on A Year with Jesus. Come back and listen with us next week as we cover Matthew chapter 22 and chapter 23. If you'd like to follow along with our readings, you can visit EmbryHills.com slash podcast.